You're listening to The Pet Factor, news on pet health, wellness, and the latest in veterinary medicine. Welcome to our episode two of our podcast, The Pet Factor. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. I'm Brittany. And uh, today, we're, our main topic is going to be um, canine core vaccines. Yeah. Um, so core vaccines are the vaccines we recommend for every dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a story uh, just came out yesterday that I wanted to talk about because it really emphasizes why we're doing these vaccines. Yes, not just the legal. There's a whole other reason behind it that's deadly. So in Utah, there's been an outbreak of a bacterial disease in dogs. uh, Started in a pet daycare center. Uh, I think it was 13 dogs that got affected. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is an infection called leptospirosis. Leptospirosis is a bacterial infection. It's transmitted through the urine of a lot of different wild animals. A dog came into the daycare center. Apparently, they have a doggy pool. What what Uh, do dogs do in the pool? Urinate. (laughs) Yeah, they feed the pool. Uh, And this infection can enter through the mucous membranes, open wounds on the other dogs, and these dogs got sick. Yeah, so you got to imagine that other dogs playing in it, or even the kennel staff just going in a pool to just dump the water or even trying to clean the water out. Like, they're getting exposed to that. This is one of the diseases that can be transmitted between dogs and people. Yeah. Uh, So it's really important. So uh, what I'm going to do today is explain what all the vaccines are that are in the core. Um, why we do them, um, how often do we do them, and what are the potential reactions and, and reasons not to do them if, yeah. if such a thing exists. So uh, we're in Chicago, uh, but our core vaccines are pretty much standard throughout the United States. So there's a vaccine task force for uh, canine vaccines okay. and for feline vaccines, but we're going to talk about the canine one. And they've studied the vaccines, what vaccines are recommended and needed, how often they should be given. So we're going to talk about those today. So um, most people will hear their veterinarians talking about a DHLPP or DALPP mm-hmm. vaccine. Yeah. Um, that's a combination vaccine. So each of those letters stands for a different disease that we're vaccinating against. The one that you hear most often is often called a distemper vaccine. Yeah. That's the D. Distemper does not have anything to do with an animal's behavior or their temperament. It's a weird word. It basically refers to this disease that can cause severe upper respiratory symptoms, gastrointestinal symptoms, and it progresses to neurologic symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it can cause permanent brain damage if the, the pet survives this. Yeah. Uh, we've had a vaccine for canine distemper since the 60s. Uh, you know, so people who say, oh, I never vaccinated my dogs, is probably because they were raised in the 50s yeah. and there wasn't really vaccines for them for these things. Um, Canine distemper is carried by a lot of other animals other than dogs. Yeah, like the raccoon cases we were having a year or so ago when people did zombie raccoons. It was was, distemper. distemper. It was distemper. Exactly. Um, By vaccinating the dogs, especially the puppies, we're protecting them. Most puppies will get a little bit of immunity from their moms, but as they get older, that immunity wears off, so we need Mm -hmm. to get these vaccines started. The next vaccine that's included is the A or the H, depending on how you prefer. Um, A stands for adenovirus, H is hepatitis. The canine adenovirus strain 2 is the uh, upper respiratory infection. Mm -hmm. So that's actually associated with kennel cough. Canine adenovirus 1 is the one that's with hepatitis. Hepatitis, okay. And what we found is that by vaccinating with the canine adenovirus 2, we actually protect against canine adenovirus 1. So we're protecting against both things. The vaccines used to contain the canine adenovirus 1, but it caused some really bad reactions. The most significant one was it turned dog's eyes blue. Oh, like the 
the cornea would okay. get cloudy and it would look blue. It would oh. go away after a few weeks, but it was just a reaction to the vaccine huh. because there were modified live vaccines. And they called it calls a decreased um, symptomatic form of the disease, wow. and that would cause the blue eye. Um, another part that was in there is the the P. There's two P's. Yep. The first P is parainfluenza. Sounds yes. like influenza. It's a different virus. This is also associated with canine kennel cough. Right. So when we talk about kennel cough, we're not talking about one particular disease. No, they're different. Lot There's of lots strains. of them. We vaccinate lots. against four different things. Actually, five if you count both flu strains. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're mainly concentrated on those. There's some other rhinoviruses like people get that dogs can get that are yeah. less severe. But the parainfluenza is another one that's included in the core. And last is parvovirus. Parvovirus is a very severe gastrointestinal virus. Yeah, not many we see. Well, we have a fair amount who make it, but most of them don't make it if, if they if, come in with if the they hassle. If they don't get treatment, they're going to die no. because it basically wipes out the fast-growing cells in their body, which yeah. is the lining of their intestine and their bone marrow. Yeah, it's not a pretty sight no. at all. And it's, it's, it's very distinct odor that you get with their stools. Mm-hmm. That's the, the parvo smell. Um, again, very easy to protect them against yeah. with the vaccine. And we've been seeing a high risk in our local area. There's been mappings in just news articles coming out within the last couple of months that more and more dogs are getting tested positive for it because people are still not doing it. it. The the neat thing or the interesting thing about parvovirus is prior to 1978, it didn't exist. Oh. It's very closely related to the feline distemper virus, which is a parvovirus as well. They're 98% similar. Uh, in 1978, dogs started getting sick from this mysterious gastrointestinal illness, kind of like huh. another story we're going to talk about later. And it basically spread across the world within two years. It wiped went from the East Coast to the West Coast. Um, I heard stories when I was in vet school about the cages being filled with two dogs at a time, dogs lying on the floor, they're just treating them as just going around cleaning up vomiting and diarrhea, trying to keep oh. these dogs alive. Um, once they be survived, they were immune, but the dogs that, you know, that weren't, weren't surviving, weren't doing yeah. well. So what they actually found was that, um, vaccinating with the cat vaccine, the cat distemper vaccine was protecting some of the dogs. Oh. And then they came out with the canine parvovirus yeah. vaccine. There's actually a couple strains of it that are going around now, but, uh, yeah. the vaccines protect against all of them. Um, so it's weird that prior to 1978, you know, people, oh, what, why do I need to vaccinate my dog against parvo? I never did when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, it wasn't around when you were a kid. Certainly wasn't around when I was a kid. Um, the other part in that vaccine is the L. It's in the middle. I left that for last because it's a different type of uh, disease. It's a bacterial infection. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that affected those dogs in Utah. It's spread through the urinary tract of a lot of different animals. In fact, there's many different what they call serovars or flavors of the, of the infection. Um, so our pets can get exposed from contaminated water outside. Raccoons, mice, deer, Mm-hmm. Uh, coyotes, other dogs, can mm-hmm. all carry their respective strains and that can make them sick. Yeah. And like you said, the really scary thing is people are very susceptible to this yeah. too. Well, and I think the weird part is most people don't think about it. They just say, oh, my dog only goes outside, does his business. But you got to think, if it just rained all night and you've got a, you know, a line or a lepto-positive squirrel or something that came in a yard, did raccoons, their business, yeah. raccoon, your dog goes outside, walks around, sniff, licks, you know, does what dogs do. Come in a house, and now you're wondering why your dog's pooping, peeing, or having issues in a house. You're having lepto in your house, and you're getting it because you're right. not cleaning it up properly, and you don't think of it. Right, and we've diagnosed lepto in here many times. Mm-hmm. 
is very yes. serious. The dog's usually very sick by the times we see them. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why they had this outbreak in Utah is because people weren't seeing it there and they stopped vaccinating for it. Yep. Or, you know, people here, they don't vaccinate here because it's not the legal vaccine. So then you go and visit family or friends or you travel and you bring in your dog who may or may not have it and you're spreading it to other places that mm-hmm. are not vaccinated against it. And, but even if you have a dog that is mostly indoors and just goes outside for little walks and stuff, they're at risk. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's cases of leptospirosis that occur in downtown Chicago. Yep. You've got rats that urinate mm-hmm. all over the place. Dogs sniff everything. They walk through things. They lick their feet. Mm-hmm. So if you're not vaccinating your dog against the leptospirosis, you're not only putting them at risk, you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. And the staff, the veterinarians, they got to take care of them. Yeah. Um, so it's very important that the, all these vaccines are, in, are why they're included in the core because these are diseases that are ubiquitous across the United States, are found everywhere, and uh, they can affect dogs that aren't vaccinated very readily. Most important core vaccine, and the one that's legally required everywhere, is yep. a rabies vaccine. Rabies. Another zoonotic disease. So yep. this is a disease, zoonotic means it can be transmitted from animals to people. Mm-hmm. So legally, it's required that all pet dogs, Everyone. cats, and in Illinois, horses oh. get rabies yes. vaccine. Um, most people have no problem doing that. We usually recommend a three-year rabies vaccine, so we're not vaccinating them as often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a one-year rabies vaccine as well. Yes. Some, some places have two-year requirements for vaccines. And rabies is probably the biggest thing when pets are traveling to different countries. Yeah. Wanting to make sure... Yeah, because a lot of there are some places that don't have it, like Hawaii. Doesn't Hawaii has have rabies. It. England. No, yeah, they don't have no it. No rabies so. in England too. And so. so, like, if you aren't completely vaccinated or have the proper papers for it, your animal can get quarantined for months. So, like, you can go there for a week of vacation, it's come a home, and your quarantine. pet, yeah, your pet is still in quarantine. So at that point, leave them at home, but still yeah. vaccinate them. So. What the main reason we're we're encouraging you or not encouraging you, we're recommending strongly yeah. these vaccines is because we want to keep your pet healthy. Yeah. I mean and everything is going under for rabies quarantine, scratches, bites, anything. Like if a dog scratches a child or a person, they are liable to call the cops and if your pet isn't up to rabies or up to date, that's a ten day quarantine. Yeah. So you can lose your pet for ten days. And and it's under doctor supervision. Yeah. Six hundred thousand dollars, depending oh, yeah. on the depending on the on area. What works on. Yeah, and then now your pet has a record, and there are some places that are getting very strict, where you know if your dog does it two times or more, they are saying either you have to get rid of your pet, or you have to euthanize them, because I know in the Brookfield area they're they have a two strike area here. Wow. Yeah, it's they're getting. Yeah really down on so this. So you don't want to you don't want to put them at that risk. No. Rabies vaccines are considered invalid the day after, you know, their their what their tag their license goes. So yeah. one year after the first one year vaccine, 3 years after that. So you want to make sure you get in as close to that date as possible. Mm-hmm. There's no 30-day uh, grace period or anything like that. Um, and an interesting thing, a puppy that gets their first rabies vaccine is not considered vaccinated until 30 days after their vaccination. Oh. So even if you get your puppy's vac- last vaccines at four months, you really probably don't want to have them around areas where they might be exposed to little kids and might bite or scratch <laughs> someone because they're not technically yes. vaccinated for another 30 days. Wow. All right. How often do we vaccinate them? Well, that's the big thing. It used to be we'd vaccinate the, the dogs for these things every year. Every year. Um, the recent uh, research has shown that every three years is fine. They do have research showing that longer may be possible. 
A lot of the studies they've done, though, have been on small numbers of dogs, and they've mainly been like beagles. So we don't know if that really extends to all breeds of dogs. We know some breeds are a little bit more susceptible to parvovirus. Mm -hmm. So they're going to do some more research. Um, the last uh, lecture I was at on this uh, with Dr. Ford is saying that they're thinking that there will be a five-year recommendation coming out on the uh, oh, distemper, good. hepatitis, parainfluenza, and parvo. Still need to do the lepto every year. Yes. It's a killed bacteria vaccine. It does not uh, stimulate as long an immunity as the modified mm -hmm. live viruses. And then the rabies... As far as I know, they're going to keep that every three years. I don't know if anyone's working on a five-year rabies vaccine. And even if they did, you have to get the state's legislatures to pass yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't people want to vaccinate their dogs? Very few reasons that I can think of. Um, uh, very few good reasons, at least. <laughs> um, certainly, you know, my dog doesn't go outside or my dog's not around other people is not a reason. Not a Your reason. dog can get sick. you got to take him to the emergency room. Yeah. got to go to a clinic. Um Vaccine reactions occur just like with any vaccine. Mm -hmm. We see them probably about 1% of the vaccines we give. If we know an animal is going to have a vaccine reaction, we pre-medicate Yeah, we can do that. Um, one of the things they mentioned at the uh, the talk was it's it's not so much the vac a singular vaccine that they're um, sensitive to, but it's the quantity that they're getting. Uh. So splitting up the vaccines can help minimize the yep, reactions. Yep, we do that. The newer lepto vaccines, and they, they used to be the ones that were most often associated with it because they had... The, the way they process them, there was a lot of contaminated proteins in there. They have now these new filtering techniques that make these really pure vaccines. Oh, so so the reaction rates go way, way down. Nice. So I guess really there's no reason not to vaccinate an animal. I mean, there's no, like, I mean, we have a few that are like, you know, cancer or something. Like if yeah. they have like immunosuppressed patients... Different, but you also have to go through the county. It's right. not your word on it. It's not because you feel that. You have to go through the proper paperwork and everything for that, and you have to prove it. It's, it's, but it's um, still. It, uh, the one I hear often is, my cat never goes outside. Why does it need a rabies vaccine? Yeah. The biggest thing, biggest carrier of uh, rabies in our area is bats. Mm -hmm. The brown bat is the biggest carrier. It can squeeze through an opening one-eighth of an inch thick. Oh, yeah. It can deform a skeleton, even its skull. And I've seen videos of these things crawling between shingles at a house to get uh, into the roof area. To get into it. And what's a cat going to do when it sees a bat flopping around this rabbit? It's going to go and play with it. Yep. Try and catch it. Um, they've was this case of a woman. They found a bat in her bedroom. Went to the doctor, said, doctor said, don't see any bat bites on you. You're going to be fine. She ended up getting rabies and dying. The bat bites are so tiny, they're like pinpricks. Yeah. There's no way them. you're going to find them on a cat. So yeah. if your cat's been, been there and has it's, it's not been vaccinated, it's a very severe situation, mm -hmm. a very potential uh, for that. Well, and then you're just going to have your cat getting angry, biting, and transmitting it to your children and your family, anyone right. who comes in the household. So now you're spreading rabies throughout at, the at, neighborhood. At this talk I gave, they had a video of this dog sitting in the waiting room and it was having these neurologic symptoms and all these people were walking by and then they went for this consult and they said, did you, has this dog been vaccinated for rabies? And they realized this dog had rabies. And all these people had been exposed. Wow. They all had to get vaccinated. Very expensive situation. Mm -hmm. Painful. And the other thing I tell people is your pet may not go places, but you do. Yeah. And you can bring diseases home to them. Mm -hmm. Parvovirus can, from what I read, can be active up to a year in the environment. Oh, yeah. You could bring it in in your shoes. Dog comes, sniffs your shoes, licks your feet, mm -hmm. licks the dirt off the floor, gets exposed to parvovirus. Yeah. Like, Same thing with cats. Yeah, I don't think people realize how much care we take 
after, you know, we have to deal with a possible parvo case, like, you know, before we go home or before we see another pet, the cleaning, the bleaching, we have to change clothes. There are a lot of times we aren't even allowed to come back into certain rooms because there was a possible exposure. And mm -hmm. I don't think people realize how, you know, big of a situation it really is they just think oh it's yeah. a cold or something it's not yeah. it's something where i can transmit it to another pet or i can send it home to my animals and right. i don't want to be the cause of death of somebody else's animal fortunately it, it it's easy to kill virus if you use good disinfectants mm -hmm. um so it's not that difficult to get the rooms clean but yeah you have to be really careful with yeah. that so uh our core vaccines rabies the dhlpp Get them every three years. The lepto we're going to be boostering every year yeah. in summary. If you hear someone saying they need their distemper vaccine or distemper parvo, it's just shorthand for that five-way vaccine that mm -hmm. we're giving. And there's pretty much no reason that most animals shouldn't get the vaccine. If they do have a serious reaction to it, we can talk about it. Yeah. But, boy, it's far better to deal with a vaccine reaction than these diseases. Well, and then, again, we can pre-med. So usually pre-medding beforehand couldn't right. stop any type of reactions we've we'll, seen. We'll give them a shot of uh, antihistamine, but mm -hmm. right when we start the exam, by the time we get around to giving the shot 10, 15 minutes later, it's in their system, in system. and they can go home without having any hives or swelling in their face mm -hmm. or, you know, sometimes see vomiting, diarrhea um, associated with a vaccine reaction too. A little yeah. bit of a fever is normal in most vaccines. People know this from vaccinating their kids. Mm -hmm. You give the kid the vaccine, they're they're miserable the for feverish, a day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now we're going to move on to some stories in the news. This one really caught my eye. There's a mysterious disease that's killed nearly two dozen dogs in Norway. And the officials there are racing for answers. Hmm. So at least 21 dogs have died after exhibiting symptoms of vomiting and bloody diarrhea. The Norwegian Veterinary Institute Emergency and Safety Director Joram Yarp told public broadcast broadcaster NRK on Friday. The Norwegian Food and Safety Authority reported that two more dogs died of the same symptoms over the weekend. It seemed very serious for the dog, but they don't know why and whether this is contagious or a series of individual cases. So they're thinking there might be a little mushroom that grows seasonally that they're being poisoned with huh. or some other food contaminant. Um, if it is a, a contagious disease, it could be something, it could be the next parvovirus starting yeah. to break out. Um, if it is something that's a, a, um, eating a mouse that ate a, a toxin or, or mushrooms or a bad water, you know, if they can find the source of that, they can at least get people to avoid that. Huh. So this just, just goes to show, you know, when things outbreaks like in the Utah and in Norway, there's agencies that go and investigate these yeah. things and try and find out what it is. Not only because of the fact that dogs are being affected, but this can affect people too. I'll say, did this save people or is it just dogs? Just cats? dogs for this one. Huh. Yeah. Two dozen dogs. Wow. At yeah. least 21 died after the symptoms. Aww. So when you when you have that many animals dying, you, you always have to worry about the people. So. Yeah. So hopefully, we'll, if we get any updates on that, we'll pass that along. But yeah. I just wanted to let people know. Or like if people know anything, send us a link so we can look into it too. Yeah, that's and that's just ties into the whole vaccination thing here. These diseases come up as they do come up. We get new vaccines. We're going to talk about some of the uh, the non-core vaccines next week, where where these are new diseases that have become uh, problems in the last few years. Um, this is a really cool story. So, um, dog cancer and people cancer you wouldn't think would be very similar, and you wouldn't think that dog lungs and people breast tumors would have anything in common. Right. They do. They both contain a receptor called the HER2, 
uh, or gene, HER2. And they found that a drug that targets this gene in people will also work against lung cancer in dogs. What? Wait. Yeah. Wow. So this is from the Clinical Cancer Research Journal. And basically, they found that when they did the genetic analysis on these tumors, that they had this gene. And there's this drug um, that's used in humans for breast cancer. Um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name properly. But when they've given, given it to the dogs, they've been actually able to get these tumors to regress. Wow. So it's kind of neat that, that we know that they we're not that different from dogs. Oh, excuse my bird there. <laughs> We know we're not that different from dogs, uh, but to be that close where we're sharing the same gene that can be targeted in two different areas of the body, it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so there may be, then this may open up uh, opportunities for other human um, treatments to move over to the animal world or animal treatments to move to the personal world. Yeah. Uh, we've got vaccines now for uh, melanomas in dogs. Yeah. Um, which is really cool because melanoma is a very serious disease. They're looking on, on developing vaccines for other cancers too, and uh, it's going to be exciting when we get to that point. So targeted immune studies is pretty amazing. Uh-huh. All right. Um, next, we're going to go on to our case of the week. So last week we had an interesting case about a dog <laughs> with cuterebra. This week yes. uh, we're going to talk about Daisy. Poor Daisy. Yes. Poor Daisy is an apt description of Daisy. Mm-hmm. We actually saw Daisy uh, oh, last week. For another problem. So yep. this dog had two problems. Last week, yep. you ever heard, like, uh, the owner says, oh, my dog just inhales her food? All the time. All the time for puppies. Daisy inhaled her food. She actually got a piece of kibble down in her airway, down by where her heart is. Like, all the way down? All the way down. We could see it on the x-ray. We weren't able to get it out. So we had to send her to a, uh, an emergency place to see what they could do. So but she literally inhaled She inhaled, and her you could food. hear her breathing was... <gasps> It just was, you could hear like there was an uh, inability for her to get air through quickly. She wasn't turning blue. She seemed okay. Uh, we sedated her to look, see if there's something in the back of her throat. But when we looked at those chest x rays and saw that in there, they said, okay, need to get down there with a bronchoscope or something to pull that out. They actually um, they were able at the emergency clinic to be able to do what they call the modified Heimlich procedure. So they put her on a tilt table and made her breathe in and then was able to squeeze it in their chest really hard and get the, the food to pop out. Oh, so. poor Daisy. Okay. So you think Daisy would learn her lesson? That's, uh, you know, 14 weeks old. She should learn her lesson. Eat a little bit slower. Yes. What did Daisy do? She ate rat poison. She ate rat poison. It wasn't choking on food. No. <laughs> Fortunately, the owner saw her eat it. Yeah. Called us right away. We got her in. Um, and what we do typically when we have a dog that ate something they shouldn't, we make, make them vomit. vomit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we give them a shot usually of a drug called apomorphine. If that doesn't work, we'll feed them hydrogen peroxide. One of those two usually gets them to get it up. Um, the thing is, the old rat poisons used to be the ones that would interfere with the blood clotting. And there's an antidote for that, vitamin K. You could give them vitamin K. It would prevent the clotting issues from developing, and the dogs would probably be okay. These newer rat poisons, because people think, Rat poisons are cool that make them bleed to death are neurotoxins, so they make them have seizures and die. Oh, that's 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 much nicer. But there's no antidote. Uh oh. Okay. Even greater. So fortunately, Daisy, we got her uh, got her to get empty her stomach. Mm-hmm. We also gave her activated charcoal. Activated charcoal is just a it sounds what its name sounds is charcoal, and it absorbs 
things from the gastrointestinal tract. So mm -hmm. we actually fed it to her. She swallowed it down. And as it passes through the intestinal tract, it absorbs any extra mm -hmm. toxins that haven't over. been absorbed to her system. So hopefully if she did get any in, it's just minimal. Um, the symptoms that can develop from that it can be just weakness all the way to full-blown seizures. Mm -hmm. All we can do is supportive care and hope that the dog makes it. Fortunately, most of these uh, things are dosed for little mice and rats. So if you got a bigger dog, it's hard for them to get a very yeah. uh, serious dose, but it can make them really sick and can be a problem. So I, I, I recommend the owner get some pet health insurance. Uh, I think Daisy's <laughs> going to be back here again. but Yes, we haven't heard from her in the last three days, which is going strong for Daisy. We should start a but... pool, a Daisy pool. What's going to yes. be next year? <laughs> All right, um, now we got uh, our tech tips. What yeah. do you got for us this week? Um, what to and what not to give your pet. Um, so we hear a lot of things where people want to... What give, give them what? Food, Food. items, okay. things, you know, right. fun things in the house. Okay. Um, everybody wants to share things with their pet, you know, especially around the holiday season. You know, you're cooking, you're baking, you have family over. Yeah. They think, you know, why don't I just hand my pet scraps or something from the table or a cookie oh that's, that's no we, we love the day after thanksgiving we no. get so many dogs you know easter thanksgiving <laughs> any holiday on the that you're off of work or out of school okay. the next day we are swamped because people give them things so you know a so, lot of people know so there are things that you, you should not give the dogs no yeah yeah okay. yeah no a lot of people know like the big one chocolate, chocolate. yeah yep. I, that's the one you hear all the time all the time i get the call um my dog ate a brownie yes no, that's not okay. That's horrible. That, that, that's that's a minimal dose of chocolate. That's probably going to be okay. The things that no, are really toxic, the cocoa powder and the baker's chocolate. Mm -hmm. They get that, get them in right away. Yep. Uh, they most you know German Shepherd could eat a brownie or two and probably walk it off. Uh, you they get may a have Pomeranian, a little diarrhea or they something. They might be in problems there. What else we got? Um, grapes and raisins. Yeah. Then now that's one that. Yeah. I never that's, even heard of I'll when say, I was in vet school. That's controversial because there's a lot of people saying that raisins are okay. Or not grapes. Certain grapes are yeah. okay. But a lot of people are, again, certain grapes are bad. Like I, I, th I think there's certain dogs that are sensitive, more sensitive to it than grapes, others. Yeah. Because I've heard of people feeding grapes to their dogs all the time yeah, and they never I, had problems. I had family who fed grapes to his dog for 16 years. Right. And him and that dog were But you have other dogs that eat a bunch of grapes and then they're in kidney failure. Mm -hmm. So just avoid them. Oh, no way yes, to know. You don't. There's and you no don't want to find out the hard way. No. Um, another big thing, onions and chives. Right. They they mm -hmm. actually can damage the red blood cells in the dog's circulation. Mm -hmm. And that can cause them to become anemic and get very weak and can be fatal. Yeah. Uh, peaches and plum pits? Yes. Um, the pits of peaches and plums and even apple seeds to some extent contain cyanide or compounds that become cyanide when they become digested oh, wow. or chewed up. And those pits can also physically obstruct their intestinal yes, tracts, too. One. Yes. Yeah. And then a big thing that, you know, shouldn't have, tobacco. Tobacco's got that nicotine in it, really toxic to pets. Yeah. Uh, cigarette butts, um, ashes even, mm -hmm. all those things can be a problem. And it, I think not only the food themselves, but the form of the foods. Corn on the cob. What did we have last uh, a couple weeks ago? We had a dog who ate... 
a whole corn on the cob. He had a corn yes. cob, and it yes. got stuck in his intestinal tract. Mm-hmm. We ended up having to, to do an exploratory surgery to get that out. It mm-hmm. wasn't in a place where we could get to. No. And another thing, fat trimmings. People think, you know, just a little seasoned food, a little fatty here and there. You're going to give your dog pancreatitis. Yes. That is bad. That is vomiting. That is diarrhea. That is an upset belly. Don't You don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to your pet. If you've got a schnauzer, they just look at that. They're going to get pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. That's just bad. Um, let's see. Here's what I didn't uh, Liver. Liver. Liver apparently is very high in, in iron, and it can uh, cause iron toxicity in the animals. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit's not going to be a problem. People give their pets liver sausages to give them pills. That's not what we're talking about, but, but liver. Macadamia nuts. Yes, I did know about that. I did yes. not know about that. That yes. sounds pretty scary. I knew that one was bad. Milk and dairy products. Mainly because it causes gastrointestinal upset. They just can't handle it. Can't handle And some of these cheeses that are especially the cheeses that are like the moldy cheeses, mm-hmm. that can really make them sick. What about cat food, though? Like, there are so many dogs who eat cat food. Well, again, this ties into the high protein, high fat of, of cat food. Diets. Yeah, they're much higher fat than dog diets are. Yeah. So you can in basically induce, it's very rich. So dogs that are sensitive are going to have a problem. Yeah, lots of dogs will eat it and it just likes to walk it off and they're yeah. fine. But Well, and then like my favorite one, artificial sugar or xylitol. Xylitol. Xylitol is a, a sugar alcohol that's found in a lot of candies, mm-hmm. gums, um, peanut butter. Yeah. So you got to make sure your peanut butter is uh, xylitol free or sorbitol free. There's another yeah. one. Sorbitol is another one. Uh, very toxic to dogs. Yeah, we see a lot of dogs who eat gum have to yeah. come in and get that out right away because that's xylitol's so in that. If, if your dog eats something that they shouldn't, it's not important that you bring what they ate. Bring the package because mm-hmm. that gives us more information. If we can see the package of what they ate, yeah, especially the if it's a poison or something, then we can find out what it is. If we just see the little granules... Not very helpful to yeah. us. Um, let's see what else is on there. Uh, human vitamins. Human vitamins, yeah. Very yeah. high in, uh, especially prenatal vitamins. High in iron can cause iron toxicity in dogs. Yeah. Um, avocado. Huh. So, so just like a whole avocado. Well, the pits can be very much of a problem if they right. swallow them, but they have this compound in them called, I want to say it's person, and this causes vomiting and diarrhea and heart congestion in dogs. Wow. So, yeah, so when you're having your avocado toast, don't share it with your dog. I did not know avocado was I toxic. I did not know. Now, we're going to put a, a full list of these uh, foods up on our website, brookfieldvets.com. So go there and, and take a look. Um, if you have any questions, call your vet. Yeah. Uh, before you feed them anything, ask them if it's okay. Yeah. A lot of times I'll recommend to people who want to add something to the dog's food, green beans. Yeah. Especially if we're trying to get them to lose weight. Lose some weight, yeah. Uh, because that's going to fill them up. And it's not going to cause any problems. Yeah. Celery and cucumbers are another good thing to feed them to fill them up. Neg- negative calories in celery. It takes more calories mm-hmm. to chew up a piece of celery than you get from eating it. That's a good trail. Um, carrots are fun. Carrots are great, and they're great for your teeth. But if you're trying to get your pet to lose weight, no. that can actually yeah. be almost as bad as giving them a candy bar. Yeah. Or a dog treat because it's a lot of sugar in those. Same thing with sweet potatoes. People say, oh, I'm giving them sweet potatoes and carrots and they're not losing weight. Well, you need to go to celery and, <laughs> and green beans and you probably have some better luck. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the vegetables and fresh fruits can be perfectly safe for the dog. But you got to be careful with the pits. you got to be careful with the seeds in some of them. Apple seeds, like I said, mm-hmm. have a high uh, incidence of, uh, of um, um, cyanide. So you just got to avoid those things. Yeah. Well, and then the last one for me, bones. Yeah, and they say uh, on our list it says cooked bones. They say, you know, raw bones are fine. I find any bones 
Not, not a good idea. I don't, any bones are just no. Um, I think when animals are chewing on bones in the wild, they're fresh, they're relatively soft, they'll get the bone marrow out, that's fine. But when you're feeding them the dry bones or the raw bones or anything like that, they get stuck in their mouth, mm-hmm. they get stuck in their throat, they go into their intestinal tract. They get splintered when you, yeah. you're chewing off pieces and they can slice their mouth or the esophagus or stomach lining or something. It's, I had, uh, I remember a dog that swallowed some chicken bones. They went all the way down to the uh, the rear end, and then they got pointy and got stuck there, and we had to sedate the dog to remove them. Oh, my God. But I couldn't, and then one dog got one of those round bones stuck in the back of his throat. I had one that got one stuck around his jaw, like yeah. they had to sedate and cut Use it. Use the scissors for mm-hmm. or the saw for that, yep. yeah. So these tend to be very expensive bones if you feed them. <laughs> so stick with the chew things, that, especially ones that are approved by the, uh, the Veterinary Dental Association. Yep. They have a, a good list of those, too. All right, I think that's all we have today. I think we're, we're out of time. Um, next time, we're going to talk more about canine vaccines. We're going to go into the non-core vaccines. Um, we'll have some more news uh, on things that are going on, some more tech tips, and another case of the week. So um, goodbye for this week. This is Dr. Hosek. It's Brittany. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Pet Factor with Dr. Jim Hosek and